It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Out here in Colorado, we had a sex education bill that was passed. It was signed by the governor and put into law. I just can't believe what is happening to uh, public education. The latest in politics and world affairs. We are now using policy that if you don't affirm something, that they use policy then to take away your businesses. Today's current opinions and ideas. Kids are just being bombarded with darkness. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. You know, we need to get back to letting our kids be kids. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Woo-woo! Woo-woo, indeed it is hump day. And welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Thank you so much for joining us. Each of you are treasured. You're valued. You have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. And thank you to this team that I get to work with, producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Jen, Keith, Charlie, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. It is already hump day, producer Steve. Amen. But yet, I, I don't know, I, I make. I got to change my attitude, I guess. Friday will be here before you know it. <laughs> and then uh, and then the day after Sunday, day before Tuesday, we'll be here before you know it, too. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You'll get first look at all of our upcoming guests, most recent uh, podcasts, and our most recent op-eds. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Socialism ultimately comes down to force. It's uh, not about free stuff. The free stuff is just to get you to vote for it. And remember, it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood via force, whether with a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, or the latest silent thief, government-induced inflation. And my, oh my, producer Steve, that inflation is rampant right now. (laughs) I think it's exceeding everyone's, I won't say expectations, but imaginations, maybe. Who could have imagined I, I, I mean, at this rate, uh, in what, five years? I mean, I, our buying power is going to be down significantly. I am so excited about the guests that I have in studio with me. Alessandra Lavalle, it is great to have you here. Uh, I feel like we're kindred spirits. We just kind of happened to, to meet each other. Yeah, I totally agree. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. And uh, we're going to talk in the th- th- uh, third and fourth segment about, th- I'm calling it the big squeeze. And I am so concerned about our young people. Uh, Baby boomers, we've had it really, really great, I would say. And we are passing on all kinds of debt. Uh, I think we're making it difficult for our young people. You're a young person. You're a Gen Y. Is that right? Yeah. And I'm just so concerned about what we're, we're passing on and... And so it's going to be a really great conversation. So it's great to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm excited. So we're going to continue on. First of all, it is Wednesday. So it is Wings Day at Hooters Restaurants. Hooters Restaurants is a great sponsor of both my shows. They have five locations. That is Lone Tree, Westminster, Aurora, Colorado Springs, and Loveland. On Wednesdays, you can buy 20 wings and you get 10 for free. That's available uh, all day long. And it's all their wings. I love their smoked wings. And this is uh, for to-go or dine-in. It's not valid on delivery. And uh, they also offer a military discount, 10% off, um, uh, let's see, food only. And that's every day. You just have to show your military ID or be in uniform. Uh, Let's go to our quote for today. Alessandra, 
we like to to do a quote. And uh, I was talking to uh, Zach last night, and I said we were going over um, every, getting everything posted for the Daily Show. And uh, I said, who who should I quote? And he said, Thomas Sowell. And uh, Thomas Sowell is an American economist, syndicated columnist, writer, and social theorist who currently serves as a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution, Stanford. He is often described as a black conservative. I I find this funny. They say for his old-fashioned assessments of economic theories, encouraging hard work and self-sufficiency. Alessandra, is is that old-fashioned hard work and self-sufficiency? I would say not, Kim. I would definitely <laughs> say not. Uh, but uh, again, they're they're kind of coloring the uh, the commentary on that producer, Steve. I'd like to know who the goober is who writes those because <laughs> what is old-fashioned about those things? I mean, it's what works. It's what makes us go. Well, I got this from Wikipedia. My understanding All is right. you can go in and you, you just can make answer, change, you just, changes on that. You just answered the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> But prior to settling into his current position, he taught at several institutions, uh, including Howard University, Rutgers, Cornell. Just really impressive. But he grew. He was born in North Carolina. He grew up in Harlem. He dropped out of school, became a Marine, served in the Korean War, and then he uh, obviously went back to college, loves economics, and... Um, it's just had this amazing career, and so uh, it's certainly a, a great guy to to quote today. And uh, let me get up here to this. He says, "Not since the days of the Hitler Youth have young people been subjected to more propaganda on more pol- politically correct issues. At one time, educators boasted that their role was not to teach students what to think, but how to think." Today, their role is far too often to teach students what to think on everything from immigration to global warming to the new sacred trinity of race, class, and gender. Thomas Sowell, what do you think about that, Alessandra? I think it's completely equivalent or understandable. to We can assess this directly to today. There's nothing old school about this line of thinking. I guess it goes against the narratives that we've been subjected to in our schools uh, most recently. Tell me, well, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into uh, the third and fourth segment. But I have been concerned. I have three children. I've been concerned about what they had been coming home and and talking about. And uh, I realized that that we have moved away from from um, teaching kids what to th- or teaching kids how to think, but what to think, and uh, I think that we're waking up on all this, Alessandra. Though I really do, I really hope so as well. Yes, and I think it's important that as the younger generation is in influencing the younger generation, that we keep these thoughts in mind. And we're in an exciting time here in America. I mean, it's complex, it's messy, but it's also super exciting. So, okay, we're going to go to our bill of the day. And this is, uh, let's see, it's uh, the sponsor is Representative Dave Williams. He's a Republican. It's uh, HB 22, so House Bill 22. And uh, HB means it's coming out of the House. If it was SB, it means it's coming out of the Senate. Then it has the year 22. And then the number is 1206. And it says to prohibit discriminatory practices in schools. And uh, it says the bill prohibits teaching or using instructional materials at public schools that promote discrimination. The bill prohibits public schools from certain discriminatory practices based on a student's uh, family uh, or teacher's race or ethnicity. 
Uh, the bill creates a $25,000 fine to be paid by the school district of the public school or by the state charter school institute in the case of a, a charter school. Uh, to the state education fund, if the commissioner of education finds that a school knowingly violates a prohibition. The bill waives sovereignty immunity and creates a civil action against a public school and the school district or board. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think I kind of see what he's trying to do. We, we hear all about this critical race theory and dividing kids into different groups. So I see that he's he possibly trying to address that. Producer Steve, when you and I were doing the pre-call, you, you, you said you're uncomfortable with the penalty. I think I'm uncomfortable with the penalty, too. Isn't it funny? Uh, every one of these, you know, since they're back in session and we're doing the bill of the day, a particular bill falls in one of three camps. Yes, it's a great thing. Let's do it. Uh, or the other extreme is this is terrible. Don't even think about it. And then right down the middle is this one. I get what he's doing in the face of CRT. That's great. But when he starts talking about uh, the bill creates a $25,000 fine to be paid by the school district. Well, who's paying such a fine? Well, in, I, in reality, who's paying that? Well, and who determines if it's a discriminatory practice? Uh, so I think I'm going to head towards a no on this because I see what he's trying to do. But if there's a question on whether or not to put a law on the books, I think the answer should be no. Any thoughts on that, uh, what, Alessandra? My, my biggest question is, okay, what's the precedent? Certainly we don't want to perpetuate any type of racism or anything inside of our schools. That would be something that we should be you know, not excited about and definitely put down in its tracks. But again, we have to allow this youngest generation to have civil discord. And if we ask questions that matter then we should be able to have an effective conversation about that and not be worried about being called a racist for having a productive conversation. I think she's nailed it there, Producer Steve. What do you think? Yep. Uh, we all, I think all three of us agree. It's, it's rather obvious what he's trying to accomplish here, and that's great. But you know, if a school district gets caught doing this, then shine the public uh, spotlight on them shame them whatever you need to do but i this finding thing is like oh now you're you're creating a whole nother tier or layer of government exactly so i i uh, i know what he's trying to do but i think that we're a no on this particular one uh next thing alessandra uh, our researcher patty checks the cdphe website every day to keep a track of of the COVID hospitalizations. And Polis said about two months ago that the state had not gone over 200 vaccinated patients in the hospital. At this particular, as of yesterday, I think it is, we had 645 confirmed COVID-19 patients in hospitals. 269 were vaccinated, 376 were unvaccinated. So that is 42% of the COVID patients in the hospitals here in Colorado are vaccinated. And uh, this whole narrative of get vaxxed, double vaxxed, boosted, and yet people are still coming down with COVID, 
Alessandra, I've seen the narrative over the last two years change. And producer Steve had seen a a meme that said, um, the toughest thing about two weeks to flatten the curve is the first two years. (laughs) (laughs) But what do you think about this fact that uh, we have 42% of the hospitalizations are people that have vaccinations? Any thoughts on that? You want to comment? I'd like to say, first of all, I'm grateful that the vaccines do exist and that people do have the option to go ahead and get it. What I'm fundamentally opposed to is the coercion. So whatever narrative that they're trying to do to push the coercion um, of someone getting a vaccine or losing their job, I mean, I I think it's terrible. And ultimately, a lot of people don't go back to it. These insurance companies are what's forcing these giant corporations in order to do this. Um, They're coercing them to coerce their employees. And it certainly doesn't help that the mass media is pushing the narrative, right, that Polis is helping to push the narrative and frankly kind of represented it represent it not accurately, right? Not honestly or transparently. Well, and I think that's the thing that is so frustrating is that we, and even, you know, just personally, if somebody doesn't shoot straight with me, it's difficult for me to trust them again. And, and what we've seen on this narrative is just all kinds of manipulation of the narrative. And so I don't trust what they say, but I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I'm grateful uh, I'm grateful for modern medicine. The however, though, is is this coercion. And I was talking to somebody the other day. Now, you're too young to remember this, but it used to be on television that what you would see advertised were appliances and detergent and cereal and things Levi like that. Levi blue jeans. I remember the good old days. <laughs> the good old days. Now it's all drugs. Yeah. And it's like the government has become the biggest drug pusher out there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a little bit scary, too. Like, you just get used to, like, the minute and a half dialogue at the end of it, right? The monologue telling you all of the things that are going to break in order to fix the idea of this one thing. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, yeah, that sounds completely productive, doesn't it? Let's I know. Sign me up. <laughs> when they give that whole disclaimer and all the stuff that happens, it's like, well, I don't think I want to take that. Well, and with the COVID vaccine, there's no disclosure. That doesn't exist. And then in order, again, though, it comes back to not allowing civil discord. Asking a productive conversation in regards to that is just completely thrown off to the table. And I'm at a point, too, where it's like, okay, if we're not able to raise our concerns about about potentially what could happen, then do I feel confident that if something negative were to happen, it would get adequate coverage or an adequate conversation? And right now, I feel strongly that the answer is no. Well, and that's why we do the show, and, uh, and to, to bring truth and clarity to these issues. We look at them through this lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. I tell you what, let's go to break. Uh, when we come back, we have a, a candidate, Bill Jack, and he is running for House District. Now I don't have it. Uh, I think it's 45. He'll tell us what it is. Uh, and Alessandra Lavallee is in studio. We'll be right back. Home ownership and private property rights help you build wealth for you and your family. REMAX Alliance award-winning realtor Karen Levine understands this. Supply is super tight right now. This is why you need a seasoned professional with excellent negotiating skills on your side of the table, whether buying or selling an existing home or buying a new build. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen Levine volunteers hours of her time to help you build your American dream. Call her today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. 
All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Remember, if something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do that. In studio with me is Alessandra Lavalle and a new friend. I We, we met at, um, uh, there was a candidate who was kicking off his campaign, and I walked up and you were kind of like in his face it's like we have to do things and somehow we became kindred kindred spirits so you're gen y so what what uh, age group is that typically um according to the world wide web here uh 1977 to 1994 okay people born 1997 to 1994 1977 what did i say 1997. Whoops. 1977 to 1994. Bill Jack is on the line with us. He is a candidate for House District 45. Correct, Bill? That is correct, Kim. Good morning. Well, welcome to the show. And uh, you are running for a state house here in Colorado. And I guess the first question is why? Well, I was approached by Patrick Neville, who is the current representative, but he is term limited, and he was looking for someone who held similar views and and principles, and he approached me, and I, I uh, consented. I teach a civics class in um, for Worldview Academy's Bridge Year program. It's a program for students who are just out of high school who want to get grounded in their faith before they hit college or their career path, and I could not say no and walk back into my civics class and encourage my students to become involved in the political process. I would be a hypocrite. So that's one of the reasons I did it. I think one of the things that's a problem in our in our state is the is one word, it's jurisdiction. And the word that is being abused now at the state capitol. Now jurisdiction is the act of speaking law. What needs to happen is we need to return proper jurisdiction. Can you come into my house, for example, and put your food in my refrigerator? Of course not. It's it's my house. It, it's my refrigerator. It's my jurisdiction. And there's four jurisdictions, the family, the church, the state, and the employer-employee relationship. Those define the four jurisdictions laid out by God and by our founding documents. Unfortunately, the state has exceeded its jurisdiction unchallenged by fathers, by pastors, by business owners for way too long. And and I say the state has become like Pac-Man. It's the old game where you never won because Pac-Man continued to gobble up. The only way you won is if you pull the plug. Pac-Man is the state gobbling up authority that, that was once held by parents over education, the state has usurped the right of conscience of people like Jack Phillips from Masterpiece Cake Shop over their businesses. 
the state has become Pac-Man and has silenced the moral voice of pastors to speak into the political arena, or even more recently, just for churches to meet. And that's wrong. During my 40 years here in Colorado and the 24 years I have lived in Castle Rock, I've trained thousands of students to exercise their liberties through Worldview Academy leadership camps, but I've also put my convictions into practice. I have legally forced school districts around the state to recognize Christian students' free speech and press. I filed a claim of discrimination against several bakeries who refused to decorate cakes with Bible verses in order to expose the tyranny of the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. The result of that, my actions were the basis for the Supreme Court ruling in favor of Jack Phillips in his first case. I've assisted parents in reclaiming their jurisdiction over education. I've stood for liberty of small businessmen to conduct business as they see fit. I've testified against the overreach of a draconian state. That's why I'm in this. I am a candidate for liberty. If we don't have liberty for all under God's law, then we will end up with liberty for none. That's why I'm in this race. I want to work with my constituents to bind down the state's jurisdiction with the chains of the Constitution. I want to return proper jurisdiction to these four areas, the family, the state, the church, and the employer-employee relationship. Okay, Bill, question on this employer-employee relationship. Uh, what I have seen is PBIs, I call them poli- uh, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, they've actually kind of colluded together on this forced vaccination. Uh, and whenever you have force or, co- or coercion, that is the opposite of liberty. Uh, but we've seen government uh, through the public health departments kind of backdoor this employer-employee relationship. Alessandra Lavallee, who's in studio, just mentioned this about the vaccines. If you don't get the, the jab, then you don't have a job. And so address that a bit between the employer and the employee relationship. What we're seeing, you know, people are crying about socialism. I, I think that the, the threat is fascism, and that is the state is coercing businesses to enforce unlegislated mandates. I was in Texas helping my son move back in April, and I went into one of the big grocery store chains, and as I walked in, I heard a voice behind me saying, sir, sir, and it was, they wanted me to mask up. I went through the entire store. I was not masked, but I couldn't find a single other person who was unmasked, despite the fact that the governor of the state had lifted the mandate the month before. I then stayed in, in Amarillo on my way back home, and I went to a, a coffee shop the next morning, and the barista, I was the only one in there, and he said, uh, do you have a mask? I said, I don't wear one. He said, well, he, and I don't have a problem with the way he approached me. He was just doing his job, and he was not, not haughty or anything like that. But it, I, I realized that from the largest corporation to the smallest mom-and-pop store, business owners are in fear from the government because the government is forcing them to impose unlegislated mandates. We need people to stand up for their right of conscience. And we don't need businesses to be the enforcers of unlegislated mandates. Okay, so next question here. You you mentioned Jack Phillips 
the baker who a um, gay couple came in and wanted him to bake a cake in celebration of um, uh, their same-sex marriage. And because that was against his um, Christian beliefs, he, he very nicely said, guys, that's not something I can do. I mean, you can have any cake or cookie in here. I certainly will sell that to you. But that goes against my my beliefs. And the Colorado Civil they reported him to the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, and we all know the story. They tried to shut him down. So, Bill, I had actually, and I looked it up in 2017, there had been a re- Republican operative that had written something in the uh, Denver Business Journal uh, celebrating the Colorado Civil Rights uh, decision. And I felt compelled that I needed to write write a, an opposing um, view on that. As, as Alessandra said, we need to have discourse on, what, on these different issues. And I looked at that as not really a religious issue, which that's how it went to the Supreme Court. But I looked at it as a property rights issue, that if somebody can come into your business and demand your talent uh, for something that you disagree with, then I felt that we're in a very difficult situation. And then when the Colorado Civil Rights Commission says, if you don't do what we say, we're going to shut down your business. So Jack quit making, I think, wedding cakes at the time. So I've always thought that businesses should be able to uh, make decisions uh, about that regarding their beliefs. But yet I see that it's hijacked in a way now with this whole vaccine thing. I, I'm, I'm struggling on that because I, I, I believe in, in property rights. If, somebody, if a business says you can't come in here without a mask, I, in a way I guess that's that should be their right. But if you didn't have the government coercion in there, they probably wouldn't be making that decision. Um, it, I'm struggling a little bit on that, Bill. What, what's your comments on that? It, it is a right of conscience issue. It is a contract issue, if you will. You're right. It, it shouldn't have been argued on freedom of religion because that was not the issue before Jack Phillips. Jack Phillips didn't refuse to serve the client. He refused to participate in an event that was a violation of his conscience. If I come into your, say, lumberyard, Kim, and I say, I want to buy a pound of nails, and you tell me to get out of here, I don't, I don't sell anybody who wears a stupid shirt like that, a pound of nails. We would all recognize that as unjust discrimination. If I come into your lumberyard and I say, I want you to build me a torture chamber in my basement so I can torture bunnies, you're going to say, no, I decline. I don't want to participate in that. Now we have a disagreement. There's a difference between discrimination and a disagreement. Hmm. What the state is now doing is saying to you, Kim, you will build the torture room in Bill's basement so he can torture bunnies. Now, that's contract law. To have a contract, you have to have a willing provider and a willing purchaser. Now, what the state is doing is coercing the business owner to enter into the contract and that is a right of conscience issue. Let me, let, maybe this will help clear it up. It, I hope it does for listeners. Back in 1964, the 1964 Civil Rights Act, there was a group of people, blacks, who could not travel, who could not get lodging, who could not get food, especially in the South. And so the Civil Rights Act was proposed. Who should have stepped in and solved that problem? It should have been the churches at the time. The churches should have stood up in the pulpits and said, pastors should have said, 
business owners, you are doing something immoral and unbiblical, straighten up, or we the church will discipline you as the church can. Instead, the church backed away and sometimes was complicit and left a vacuum, a void. Just as nature abhors a vacuum, so does jurisdiction. And so what happened is the state stepped in and took over the jurisdiction. Right solution, wrong jurisdiction. Now, I, again, right solution, wrong jurisdiction. What is the result of that from 60, 1964? 50 years later, it's Jack Phillips. Okay. Jack Phillips' law has been twisted and used against business owners unjustly Okay, and, and talking about the South back in 1964, but there was also Jim Crow laws that were on the books. So there was jurisdiction Correct. that was saying that. And so then, you're, as you mentioned, I've always thought that you could have a free market solution to this. I think America was headed towards uh, a place where we said, it, you know, the vision of the Declaration, that all men are created equal. Uh, that is where we want to want to get to that. And so I think the free market could have answered that. I've had conversations with people on on both sides of the aisle, and they're like, I don't think the free market could have addressed that discrimination. I think that they could. I think that what, what would happen is people would say we're not going to go to that business if they're discriminating against. But there were laws on the books that actually – um, enabled that to occur. Bill, we're just about out of time. I have in studio with me Alessandra Lavalle, and she is in that age group that was born between 1977 and 1994. And I feel that our generation, your, you and me, what we are passing on to the next generation with this big fat IOU and these bad policies that are creating inflation and this encouraging of student debt and and. Uh, the American idea is that we pass something better on to the next generation. And it started with the Revolutionary War where we passed on freedom and liberty. And I'm very concerned about what we're passing on to the next generation. What would you say to Alessandra as you are a candidate for House District uh, 45 here in Colorado? Again, I believe in liberty for all, not liberty for some. If we don't have liberty for all under God's law, then we will end up with liberty for none, which is where we are fast, we are, we're on a fast track to that. So we need to return jurisdiction to its proper place. We need to rein in the jurisdiction of the state back to where it is. Just the state has one job, and that is to administer justice, which then begs the question, what is justice? Justice is rendering or giving unto each person what is due according to God's law. If you don't have that last participial phrase on there, then justice just means whoever's in power decides what is just. There's got to be an objective standard for justice. We need to return the state to its proper jurisdiction, keep it in its lane. It has no business in education. Does the state have a, have an interest in having an educated citizenry? Absolutely. Should the state be in charge of education? Absolutely not. That is the jurisdiction of the parents. Should the state be involved in business other than making sure there are standard weights and measures? And the answer is absolutely not, because we need to have a right of conscience. We need to return jurisdiction to its lane, and that is where we have a problem. It is such a big problem that people are, are overwhelmed, and they don't, they don't think we can do anything. 
we can do one thing at a time. We can take one step at a time and bring the state back into its proper lane of jurisdiction. That's why I'm a candidate for House District 45, because I believe in liberty and I believe in proper jurisdiction. Okay, Bill Jack, how can people get more information about you? It is Bill Jack, the number four, coloradohouse.com. Bill Jack, four, coloradohouse.com. Okay, Bill Jack, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Kim. Okay. Uh, Before we go to break, another great sponsor of the show is Kirsch Insurance Group. They are specialists in the Medicare arena. They work with a lot of different companies. Uh, The Medicare premiums have gone up significantly. Talk about inflation. Uh, We'll be talking about the big squeeze with Alessandra here in segments three and four, but those on Medicare are getting a big squeeze with those premiums. And uh, there are some things that you might be able to do to help save yourself some money. So it doesn't cost you anything to reach out to Kirsch Insurance Group. That's I-K-I-R-S ch.com ikirsch.com we'll be right back with alessandra lavalet with the federal government printing money it looks like inflation is on the horizon that is why you should lock in a low rate now on your mortgage lauren levy with polygon financial group is here to help lauren works with a variety of lenders to assist you in finding the mortgage that is just right for you Locking in a low rate now will save you thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait any longer. Call Lauren today at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. Would you have ever dreamed that freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion would be under assault and attack in America? Unbelievably, it is happening right before our eyes. That is why it is important to keep free-thinking, independent voices on the airwaves, the Internet, and social media. Kim Munson is one of those important voices. Help her keep independence alive. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute to join Kim in the battle of ideas raging in America today. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And in studio with me is Alessandra Lavallee. And I, I consider you a new friend. Uh, we And I'm really impressed with you. You're in that age group. It's Generation Y, born 1977 to 1994. And we met at uh, a candidate kickoff. It was at a park. And I walked up, and you were there with two friends, correct? And you were, I mean, kind of in the candidate's face. And, (laughs) uh, And I could tell you were just, you were so concerned. But you've had a really interesting journey to where you are. So tell us a little bit about you. Certainly. Um, and just so you know as well, that candidate and I are still friends and he appreciated my my heavy hitting, hard hitting questions. And I was actually asking him about his uh, stance on the Patriot Act uh, because I'm in the field of IT. I know how important it is for our privacy, especially in the cyber sector and how that is uh, influencing a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes in regards to our freedom and our liberty and we were there's not a lot of visibility on it and so hey man if i'm gonna vote for somebody or get my friends to vote for somebody into the senate they better be able to answer that question with a hot-headed you know italian coming (laughs) at them with some questions about it so 
Um, yeah, I mean, su- super interesting background, right? I grew up in a conservative household. I mean, my parents are uh, loving um, loving human beings of all, all different types of people. My father graduated from West Point. We moved out to Denver, Colorado, and I got accepted to Denver School of the Arts, which everything changed, right? Um, I got exposed to how my privilege was actually causing the world a bunch of hate and that I was the actual problem in a lot of things I was seeing and that questions I was asking weren't allowed to be asked. And um, I definitely ate that narrative and I went door to door. I, I believe with the citizen outreach program, which ultimately, and maybe I'm confusing, you know, which uh, businesses were together, but it was ultimately like I got a check from Planned Parenthood, right, to go door-to-door to register people to vote. What um, year was that? Was that 2008? Yeah, around, yeah, right was around for Obama? Yeah. Obama's, yeah, Obama's campaign. Okay. I mean, I was fresh out of high school, about to start college, the first go-round. Okay, so just clarifying, conservative family, but you end up going to school and so this narrative of privilege and this whole CRT thing that everybody's so concerned about, that's been going on for a while then. Sure. And it's not necessarily a bad narrative to have. I think it's really interesting. Um, we we are saying, you know, right versus left, good versus bad. And the truth is, is we all live Actually, I mean, I personally, I live very comfortably in the gray area, Kim. There's a lot of things I don't know. I have my opinions for a reason. And I'm always looking to see the story from someone else's shoes. I'm asking why. Why is this person saying something that makes me want to rip their head off? Why does that want me to rip their head off? Okay, well, let's find (laughs) out, right? And ultimately, you can usually boil it down to that person is doing the best they can for their family and everyone they love with the resources and the knowledge that they have for the life that they've gotten to the point of. Now, having a conversation of saying, hey, you know, I look at this a lot different because I didn't grow up in the ghetto. Yeah, that's an important constructive conversation to have. Having that be the only narrative and saying, you are stuck in this position because of the color of your skin, I think ultimately is not serving to society as a whole or that personal individual. Well, Thomas Sowell, who we're quoting today, he grew up in Harlem and he dropped out of school and ended up becoming a Marine. But those things did not constrict who he was. And so this narrative, I, I, I agree. I think trying to understand that we come from different places, true that. But the great thing about the American idea is with the things that they call old-fashioned, like hard work and stick to itness, and you know, industriousness, industriousness um, all those kinds of things, people in America can actually become big successes. And that's why I'm so concerned about this narrative of privilege and and not Alessandra, your thoughts? I'm not concerned about the narrative. I think it's fine. I think that you can tell people, you know, whether they're older or younger, to stick to it, right? Keep going. Pick yourself up. Um, Have constructive, productive conversations. Have really bad, unconstructive conversations. That's usually where I end up learning the most, right? When Mm -hmm. I strategically put my foot in my mouth, you kind of learn what not to, or how to maybe break down an issue in a different way. I don't think that there's any problem with um, with looking at things like that, right? With 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 taking to analyze where I'm at and why I feel the way I feel. I don't. That doesn't give all of that stick to itness any less vutzpah or 
power to go forward. Okay. So with that, though, you're talking about having a conversation. That's what we're working to have here as well. But what I see in a lot of different spots here in America is the shutting down of conversation. Like, oh, we don't talk about politics here. We don't talk about politics or religion here. And I realize, and that's been going on for a long time, is that is a form of censorship. It's like, hey, let's kick the tires on these ideas. And I think it's C.S. Lewis, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he said that basically if you are, if you can't uh, defend your ideas two or three questions in, then maybe you might want to recheck those ideas. But then lots of times people just throw up their hands and they say, well, I agree that we agree to disagree. Um, I, instead of the kind of that interest, introspection, that curiosity on those ideas, your thoughts? Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we've shut down the conversation. And I feel like that's a narrative. Our, our society has been pushed to this point, And a lot of that does come from like the public schools. And also, let's just add, it's okay to talk about religion as long as it's not Christianity. Right. As long as you're not talking about God (laughs) or just in general, like in a general conversation. Right. If you're if you're talking about Buddhism or meditation or something, people are like accepting and they they love that. But as soon as you say, I love Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. You know, you're you're yeah, they they completely that that's where you the conversation usually tries to end. Right. Or you get you get back on being attacked. Right. Personally. I have to ask you, okay, get out of high school and you're walking doors being paid ultimately by Planned Parenthood to register people to vote for Obama. And then here you are today. What? Tell me about this journey. Yeah. So I went to school the first time and uh, I was talking to a resource advisor or, you know, a student advisor. And I was like, listen, I don't know what I want to do. And I got really lucky on all this stuff, Kim. Like, maybe it's just because I asked so many analytical questions, but I end up getting answers that kind of help. And she was like, hey, you know, that financial aid that you'll be getting and all of these, like, loans you're going to have to take out all this money, she's like, if you come back at that time, it was like after the age of 24, you get 30% more funding from from the federal government, right? I would be okay. able to do the Pell Grant. So I was like, all right, fine, maybe I'll just go get a job, right? So managed, uh, helped So manage you went and got a job instead of going to college? I did. I dropped out. I, I And so you did not incur all that debt at that time? No. No, thankfully, I, I definitely, I did not. I, I got a job as a manager, um, then worked as an account executive for a marketing firm locally, and then learned how to hang drywall. And that's where I meant like made the most of my money was like managing a, a construction company and oh man I ended up like without a place to live no 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 real income anymore right I was like I kind of at this crossroads I was like what do I do well I showed up to Red Rocks Community College and I said I don't have a job and I don't have a place to live what are my options and I applied for every scholarship and, and got one in cybersecurity. Um, and so you got a scholarship, not financial aid, but scholarship. And you then know. at the end, though, I did end up getting some financial aid, right, towards the last uh, year or half year in my thing, just so I could breathe, right? okay. so I could have some breathing room. Okay. Um, and so I'm sitting on a little, a little bit of debt, but I, when I say little, I mean very little. Um, and at that point, too, I was still very liberal-minded. Um, I actually consider myself a liberal right now. I'm as liberal as it gets. I'm, I'm for a vaccine choice. How much more liberal can you get these days? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and then, man, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this one, but January 6th is when my, 
idea towards the narrative changed. Really? Yeah. And it was because January sixth, twenty twenty one, huh? Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't because like I was in support of any of it. Listen, the orange man really doesn't make me the happiest person in the world. Um but I at that point it was so clear to me the media's narrative was not there to serve the people into a transparent truth. And I've always known that. But at that point too, like I knew people that were personally there that day. And the narrative that was being shoved down everybody's throats about the intention and why they were there and what was going on uh, was so inaccurate to the actual intentions of those good-hearted, you know, God-fearing, loving people that I knew that were actually there that day. And, uh, you know, the more that gets unfolded and the more that you see, it's... um, it's really interesting, right? It's like, how are we just accepting the, these delusional narratives from both sides as an acceptable understanding of truth? And th- this is where I'm at, Kim. I'm a true independent. I've always felt this way passionately. And before I got shamed out of my voice, whenever I was consumed at, you know, at Denver School of the Arts, I wasn't allowed to have the conservative values that I that I wanted to have in my heart and I needed to fold down and and to fit in and but also I'll stand up to to a conservative narrative and I'll say listen it's not a bad way to cut the cake with that liberal mindset with that liberal thought or thinking right and our generation has been taught and indoctrinated to not allowed civil discourse and it's not serving anyone and now i'm like okay I, and i love i love your topic of the big squeeze but i'll be completely honest i told you remember mm-hmm. i texted you i was like i refuse to be a part of a narrative that's going to make me play the victim right that's where <laughs> society has us right now and that's not who i am and it's not genuine so i'll call it resisting the big squeeze and i i just feel like it's it's so important um that we identify things that are not serving us well to have constructive conversations so we can get transparency and then ultimately hold accountability. And that doesn't happen effectively, in my opinion, through cancel culture. It doesn't happen effectively through shaming someone into being quiet and and not stepping up to the plate. It happens with asking difficult questions and seeking to understand someone's answer that makes you want to rip their head off. Because if it does, that speaks more to your internal soul and where you're at than it does that person and their intentions. Because when we get clouded with fear and anger, we put up walls of judgment and defense. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't serve us as a whole in our society. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to go to break. This is a fascinating conversation with Alessandra Lavalle. Before we do that, though, uh, Castlegate Knife and Tool is is another great sponsor of the show. Family-owned business located right here in Sedalia, Colorado. And uh, if you're getting a wedding gift, birthday gift, Castlegate Knife and Tool is the place to go. And uh, they have a great website. It's castlegate.com. That's castlegate.com. We'll be right back with Alessandra Lavalle. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan, while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. 
You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. Great conversation today with Alessandra uh, Lavalle. And she was born in that age group, 1977 to 1994, known as Gen Ys. Um, we wanted to talk, I said the big squeeze. I mean, Americans are getting squeezed. Energy costs, housing costs, uh, and, and what happens then, government wants to come in and help solve that problem. This whole affordable housing thing is so frustrating to me because it's been public policy that has made things so expensive. And then government wants to come in on affordable housing and uh, I think it's a, an industrial complex because there's a lot of PBIs that are making money on it. But um, Zach sent this over yesterday. KDVR just reported that the JanuaryRent.com rental report is out. And it says that nationwide rent prices are up 22% year over year for a one bedroom. And here in Colorado, it's just about, it's a little over $2,000 a month for rent. Alessandra, this is so difficult for young people. And young people that want to try to save money to buy a house, this is this is difficult. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, and, and Kim, it gets even better, right? Because in order to qualify for that, uh, you need spectacular credit or a cosigner, and you have to prove that you make three times the rent. Well, listen, if I was making 6000 take-home in a year, am I going to be renting? Yeah. Probably not. You mean 6000 a month? Or, or si- yeah, sorry. Yeah, 6000 6, a year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, 6000 a month, right? Would I be renting? Probably not, right? But that that's kind of the reality of where you're at. Now, sometimes it's just one and a half. And, of course, people are able to sort of figure it out. But uh, even with the low-income housing uh, sort of options that exist, they really bottleneck you. If you actually get into it, right, and you start, you're saying, okay, how can this work for me? You frankly need 20% down on a home. You can get a place in Stapleton for $234,000, but if you don't have $20,000 down, there is no way that you're going to make, because your mortgage payment monthly cannot be less than um, a third, or cannot be more than a third of your monthly income. Right. So who who doesn't who only makes 60 uh, percent of the bracket that you're allowed to make for the area around you? You can only I think um, is it called PMI? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So you have to be within the 60 percent bracket. Well, I mean, who there is going to be able to afford the eighteen hundred dollars a month for that two hundred and thirty six thousand dollars? Well, someone who's gifted twenty five thousand or twenty five percent right uh, down of, mm-hmm. of what that is. Um, and then and then they limit you and they bottleneck you in other ways, right? You can't make more than this amount of money over this many years, or you'll have to sell it at, to a certain type of person later down the road. That's fine. Listen, I'm all for living in the rules. They constructed it for a reason. But if you if you break it down, it's like, okay, are we enabling people for success? Are we See, helping? That, that's the question. These All these rules, I just have to say. So it, it says if you are industrious and you are, you know, maybe you work extra hours or whatever, and you get above a certain income, you might be penalized for that. I don't think government should be involved in all this. 
I, I think it's completely unconstructive, right? Because in order, it's like giving someone a, a quality place to live, now I have to put myself into um, a mindset that's not going to allow me to be successful. I have to bottleneck myself yes. in my success. Or I have to lie and then use the system. Yep. And neither one of those things are really the American idea. And I've been so concerned, but it's been public policy. And what was, uh, I served on city council for four years in, in Lone Tree. And I was start, and that was 2012 to 2016. And I was looking at this quote unquote affordable housing. And one of the reasons that housing has become unaffordable is all the rules and regulations on what you have to put into a new bill now. The the cost, the fees, and all that, it makes it much more expensive. And it seems like these PBIs don't realize they need to rein in uh, these, um, these, these fees and these taxes and all these re- regulations that people have to... Or, or, uh, constructors have to adhere to. It's been public policy that's created this problem. And then what you're talking about is to alleviate that, to try to get, in, get into a, a place, then public policy is in a way constricting you and putting you in a box. And that's so antithetical to the American idea of creativity and innovation and all. So, right. And we certainly don't want to, you know, villainize the narrative, right? These people made these decisions for a reason. They, they had those policies and they thought that they were doing the best thing. So I'd say that the problem is twofold. Certainly policy that is not actually effectively helping the success of the people, in addition to the education and the transparency to the majority of people. Because if we actually understood under the hood or transparently what was going on, a lot more people would be actively speaking out. And that's why I'm so passionate to get people who say, say, hey, you know, my voice doesn't matter. My vote doesn't count. It doesn't really matter. Or I'm stark Republican. I'm stark Democrat. I mean, it's time to, that we solve these nonpartisan, like bipartisan, like we, we need to be doing this together in a unit and, and, and allow um, to let some of this stuff bubble to the top. Right. Well, and what, what you're saying here is that we need to come together and unite instead of being so divisive. At least that's what I'm hearing from many people in your generation. I, I definitely agree, and, I, and I'm grateful that we have been given what we've been given, right, in order to have the ability to start to craft through these conversations. And it's going to be difficult, and it's certainly not the way that we've been taught to, to want to move the country forward. But it's encouraging to hear, Kim, that other people in my generation are asking for this sort of thing, that this has been rightly put on our hearts, right? We do understand and appreciate the Constitution. We do care about this country. And we there is hope that we're going to start making the right steps to do that in a constructive way. I think so as well. And we need to have these conversations. We've got just a couple of minutes left. But Alessandra, uh, right around election time 2021, as you know, we do, I do a voter's guide. And you and one of your friends had been up, this was the night before election, you'd been up like till midnight yeah. going through the ballot, and the two of you got on the phone and wanted to talk about my voter guide and why I was making certain recommendations. It was a conversation, and I, I'm, I don't think you agreed with me on, on everything, but I was so impressed with this process that you and your, your friend were going through. Yeah, I know. I thank you. Um, uh, and I appreciate you allowing there to be civil discourse. And we certainly did not agree on a, on a couple of uh, matters there. Um, but that was okay, right? Because ultimately, you understood and respected that we were and we were grateful that you pr- produced some sort of transparency on this 
legislation that has more than it does something (laughs) constructive for us to take. When we write the laws and policies in a way that people are unable to understand and break it down, that's exceptionally discouraging for people to actually be involved in a part of the process. Um, And I kind of live to, to poke holes in narratives that don't make much sense. So I will think through it and and I, I definitely I appreciate that. Actually, yeah, it's a passion of mine, right, to have that transparency and maintain that accountability. So, well, and uh, I think that's what has drawn us together. I consider you a um, a friend, and it's so great to have you here. And it's been an interesting journey. I hope you'll come back. I would love to, Kim. Thank you so much. You're definitely my friend. I appreciate your time. We'll make that happen. And uh, our quote for today is Thomas Sowell, and he says that you cannot take any people of any color and exempt them from the requirements of civilization, including work, behavioral standards, personal responsibility, and all the other basic things that the clever intelligentsia disdain without ruinous consequences uh, to them and to society at large. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. Like a new moon rising fierce through the rain.